turn with me in God's word to Isaiah chapter 40. We'll be closing out our study here this morning in Isaiah chapter 40. We'll be looking at verses 25 through 31. Isaiah 40, verses 25 through 31. Be speaking on the subject, wait on the Lord. Where I'm going in this sermon is I got three points I want to share with you. Uh, the characteristic will be the first thing that we'll see in verses 25 through 26. The characteristic, characteristic of our God. The challenge is what we'll be looking at in verses 27 through 28. And then the conclusion. What is the conclusion of knowing God? What is the conclusion of the greatness of God? How should we conclude uh, our, with our understanding of who God is? How should we live our lives? We'll see that in verses 29 through 31. So look with me at God's word. This is God's holy word. To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not seen uh, as you were? Have you not heard? Have, uh, have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall faint, uh, fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is God's word. Wait on the Lord. We're all familiar with waiting. Most of life is about waiting. But here's the reality. We're not good at waiting. Even though waiting is a part of life, we're not good at waiting. Uh, we, many of us, uh, we, we spend our time being busy, being preoccupied with external things in our lives, and we simply don't have time to wait. 
and, and because of this, because we're busy, because we are busy living our lives, oftentimes we find ourselves empty. Our tanks are empty and we're depleted of, in a sense, spiritual strength that we need to run the Christian race. And this is where we begin to complain, where we begin to grumble, where we become depressed, where we become downcast in spirit. It's because we are busy. We're not waiting. We're not waiting on the Lord. Waiting is rooted in trust, trusting God. Trusting God is an essential element of saving faith, trusting God, faith with a faith that looks to God and finds peace and strength and contentment and, and, and all that we need to continue to, 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 to run the Christian race. We find it in the knowledge of God and who he is and what he has promised in Christ. This, this is, this is, this is the, 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 the goodness. This is the, the means. This is the blessing of, of trusting, of waiting. It forces us to depend upon God. It forces us. It forces us to slow down. And, and, and oftentimes, it'll force us to go to our knees. To get on our knees before God and to acknowledge that we need his help. We're like children. You know how children, uh, when, when they're excited about doing something, uh, remember if you teach your kids how to tie their shoes, they, they were excited about tying their shoes and, and they go and maybe they have just started learning and they try to tie it. I got it. I, I, I got it, mommy. I got it, daddy. Tie their shoe on their own and you look and you say, oh, they don't have it yet. And you as a parent, you... you let me get it for you. Let me tie your shoe for you. You know, that's that this is this is this is this is what we have in a God that that is waiting for us to come to him and to seek his grace to help. He's waiting on us to realize that you know God, I can't live my life apart from you. So waiting is essential. Waiting is beneficial waiting is necessary sort of like mary when she was at the foot of jesus christ this is how we to live our lives not running uh, away from christ doing our own thing but in a sense living our lives at the foot of christ beholding him beholding his beauty and being motivated by that as we live our lives and so here in chapter 40 of Isaiah, what God is doing is, is he is encouraging a future people, a future people that will be in exile. They, they will be in captivity in Babylon. And God is giving them encouragement ahead of time. It'll be approximately 100 years uh, when uh, they will be ready to come out of captivity. And these words that we have been reading 
uh, through in Isaiah chapter 40 would be words of encouragement to them. Some of them, no doubt, would not see the fulfillment of this, these promises that are given to the people of Israel. Perhaps some of them will have died. But they are to be looking to God and waiting on him. In verses 1 through 11, we have seen that God has uh, said to them that I'm coming to you. I'm coming. Look at verse number 1 in Isaiah chapter 40. And notice that it starts with the words, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. God is is giving words of encouragement to his people that he is going to come to them. This is what we see, have seen in verses 1 through 11, that God has not rejected his people. There's a remnant, the elect, that God is going to come, he's going to restore, he's going to deliver and to restore them. And so verses 1 through 11, it helps us to see that God has not rejected his people. He still loves them and he is going to deliver them. But can God deliver them? Can he deliver them? Would the Babylonian gods be too strong for God? Would the nation of Babylon be too strong for God to come and deliver his people? Verses 12 through 24 answers, no. Yahweh is in a class by himself. There is none like him. He is all wise. He is, he is almighty. He, he is all present. There, there, God is beyond our comprehension in the fact that he created this great universe and he sustains it. Our, our God is awesome. He is big and he's too big to fail. He is too great to fail. He is able to come and deliver his people. And we saw that in verses 12. 24. And now God continues. And God himself now is going to speak. God now is going to speak to his people about himself. He's going to speak to them starting with a rebuke. Look at verse number 25. We see here the character. God is going to reveal his, his character. Uh, to his people. Verse 25, God now speaks. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him? Isaiah asked this question the first time in verse 18. And now God himself takes the platform. And God says, to whom then? You answer this question. You answer. This is a question we all have to answer. To whom then would you compare me that I should be like him? Notice to, to whom? What man is it? What person is it? Who is it that you can, can bring to God, set him up beside God, and compare God to him? Who is it? Bring him forward. There is, and, and the, the, the implied answer to this is that there is no one to which we can compare God. There is nothing or anyone who is equal to him. 
Listen to Isaiah 46, verse 5. Isaiah 46, verse 5 says, To whom will you liken me and make me equal? Who is it that is equal with me? He says, uh, and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike. Who is similar to God? Who is similar to him? No one. No one. And notice how God refers to himself. Look at verse 25 again in Isaiah 40. He says, to whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. God refers to himself as the Holy One. And holiness sometimes refers to God's moral purity or his righteousness which is different from sinful men. However, the, the primary meaning of the word holy, it, it means to be separate. The God of Israel is, is separate. He is distinct. He is different. He is unique. There is nothing that you can compare with God. Nothing is in the same class as he is in his being. He is beyond, you know, in, in, in boxing, uh, they, they pair people up with those who are similar in weight, you know, and, and, and so you get someone and their weight may differ you know, a pound or two, but but they're similar. And so they they pair up people who are who are similar to 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 fight each other. But there's no one you can come. There's no one you can pair up with God. He is separate. He, he is he, when, when we think when, when we think of God, we, we're thinking of someone who is who is uh, outside of creation. He, he is not a part of creation. There is nothing in creation that we can compare with God. God is separate from all things. He, he, he is, he, he is, uh, and, and he, all that he is, all, all that he is, he is apart from anyone or anything. Nothing makes God who he is. God doesn't need assistance in being God. He is God. He is God alone. He is the God who always existed. He's the God who always had been. And he is distinguished from his creation. How do we know that? Isaiah gives us an example. Look at verse 26. Isaiah says, all you need to do is look up. Look at verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Israel is called to contemplate, to, to think upon the God's work in creation. They are to, to, in a sense, to contemplate contemplate, look up and contemplate 
the created universe. They're not to worship what they see. This is what the pagans did. They looked up and they worshiped the sun. They worshiped the stars. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 19. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 19. And here, God is giving a command for his people to not fall into idolatry. And in verse number 19, he says here, And beware, lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the hosts of heaven, you will be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them. Things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. God has created the heavens and he has created the stars. The, 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 the moon, the planets, he created that for man to behold, to look upon, to, in a sense, to, to, to see and to comprehend something about God and his greatness, not to bow down to them. God is, he, he, want, he is warning his people, don't, don't look up. It, it, this is what the pagans did they are blind they don't know they don't they, their hearts are hardened they're sinners and and they look up and they will uh make gods out of the the what they see up in the heavens but isaiah said lift up your eyes on high and see he says he asked the question who created these this is the creator here is the same word that is used in Genesis. It is God who who created. And he and what he's saying is that, you know, the, the answer is implied. You know who created this. You know who created all of that. You know, when you look up, you as God's people, you have learned in Sunday school that God is the creator. That he created everything. You know, this is basic theology. Who created these things? God, uh, Isaiah asked this question because he noted these are the people of God. They know this. They know that God created and they know the purpose of the creation. Psalm 19 verse 1 says the heavens declare the glory. They, it declares the glory of God and the, and the sky proclaims his handiwork. Edward Young said in his commentary, he said this, quote, whenever man in, ser uh, in seriousness contemplate the heavens, he is met with God's handiwork. For the marvelous bodies of heaven point him to the creator. That man 
does not see God as the creator is due to his own blindness. So those who do not see God as the creator, when they look up and behold the, the, the majestic uh, universe, has, in a sense, no even, not, not even a reference point to understanding things that are on the earth because they do not know their creator. They don't comprehend them. And this is a, this is a comprehending in the heart. This, this is, this is, this is a, a seeing in a sense in the heart. This is a comprehending with the mind and the heart. And, and notice what he goes on, he says, he says, lift up your eyes and see who created these. Notice what he says. He goes on and says, he who, and, and, and notice the, these act, the actions here, which means that this is, this, this is God's activity. You see the word brings, calling, uh, he, uh, by the greatness, uh, 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 of his might, uh, not not one is missing. God, God is an active God. Notice what he said. He brings out their host by number. We can't even number the stars, but God can. He knows the he he knows the number. And 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 bring here is bring out is a military term. It 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 is it's as if God is. He brings everything out and everything is marching like soldiers in a formation who are they're, they're, they're disciplined, they're orderly. And so this this word brings out, it, it, it implies that there's order, that there's arrangement. It's not chaos, that there's no chaos in the universe. The, the planets and the stars, uh, they, they are doing exactly what God has purposed that they do. Nothing in the created universe escapes God's sovereign rule and control. This big universe that is mind-blowing, that is beyond our understanding, it is, and, and there are things that are taking place, supernovas, uh, solar systems forming, uh, uh, there are planets, there are stars, there, there are things that are beyond our understanding. And what scripture tells us is that God is the, all of that is in God's control. It is big, but it's, it's, it's in his control. God is taking us somewhere now. Pay attention. If God is able to manage the big universe, he can take care of your little lives here on this earth. Let that let that sink into your mind. He bring he brings out their host by number. The sun, the moon, the stars. They're under his rule and control. They serve his purpose and they are doing it. They're not rebelling. No star is in rebellion. No planet is in rebellion. God created it, and it was, and it is. And he gave it purpose, 
and 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 all that is in you and that is always serving his purpose, not rebelling. There's no chaos. He brings out the host by number. And Isaiah goes on and says, calling them all. Get what behold your God. This is what Isaiah said. Behold your God. He not only do he brings out their host by number. Call, he says, calling them all by name. God summons the stars, the moon, the planets, and he calls each one by, he calls all the stars by name. He, he knows the the characteristics of it and the function of it. He, he, he is intimately acquainted with his universe. Psalm 147 verse 4 says this, he determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Beloved, your God is great. Look what he goes on and says. He he. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. Listen, by the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Not one is AWOL. Why? Because of evolution? No, because God is strong in power because he is great in might. Not one is missing. He hadn't forgot to bring a star out. <laughs> when you when when the stars come out at night, you can be assured that whatever is there, it is that's supposed to be there, it's gonna be it's there. As a matter of fact, they the 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 people of old set their calendars and their time based upon the constellation and the stars and things like that. Why? Because yeah, there is movement, but 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 they're there, <laughs> and they're there because of God's power. And if a star uh, uh, goes supernova and it. You know, they talk about black holes and all that stuff beyond that's beyond my comprehension. But if that do happen, God is in control. He purposed it. By the greatness of his might. Remember that the greatness of his might. And that he's strong in power, that is going to have something to do with us. He says, even though the the, the universe. God, you know. It's, it, there's countless number of, of, of stars out there. God controls it. He upholds it. He governs it. He firmly holds everything in his place. And he governs all movement. And, and so that the, the universe is fulfilling his will. The, the universe, as I said earlier, is not rebelling. It's fulfilling his will. There, there is nothing out of control. There, God, God has not abandoned his universe. The, the universe is doing exactly what God commanded it to do. And the point is this. If God can do this for the stars, 
if God is as the creator God has such control over the universe how much more will he care for his people how much more will he care for his people you see what we do is we bring God down to earth down to our level rather than raising our thoughts and our minds up to his level. We make God seem so insignificant. If someone who is an unbeliever would hear our conversation, they would probably question, do you know God? Your God is not a great God the way you're talking right now. Look at verse 27. Look at what he says. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. Wait a minute. Do you remember what we just read? He says, why do you say that? Why, why, are you, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way, the, the way I'm going, how my life is going right now? My way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. This is a complaint. The, the, the people of, of God will be, they will feel forgotten and forsaken. And, and the, uh, the tense here, the verb tense uh, here is that they keep on saying this. Remember when we started this third, uh, study, I talked about the words comfort, comfort. This is a, this, it was a continually giving of comfort and we see why because the people will continually be complaining and griping about being forgotten by god the the idea here is that they keep on saying we have been abandoned and forgotten by god complaining will become a continual pattern an ongoing uh it's an ongoing thing that they feel abandoned by god and this happens to us when, when we're overwhelmed by trials and difficulties. We too can be tempted to begin to continually complain and to think wrong thoughts about God and ourselves. We can begin to see ourselves as victims, victims of our circumstances. We can begin to say, God is not treating me fairly because I'm dealing with the problems that I'm dealing with. God doesn't see me. He doesn't understand me. He doesn't care about me. We, we, God, God doesn't, God, God seems, seems to be absent from this situation in which I'm in. This is characteristic of us. We, we, we do the same thing. And, and look what God goes on, uh, Isaiah goes on and says in verse 28. Look at verse 28. He says, he asks this question, have you not known? Have you not heard? The implication here is that you do know this. You have heard this. You see, beloved, trials can cause us to lose sight of God. It can create, we can allow our trials to become like fog in our minds where we don't see God clearly. And what Isaiah is saying here is that God's people, they, they need to relearn what they already know. 
They've been taught this. They don't need new information. They need to remember. They need to remember what they have been taught. And we too, we need to always bring to our mind because our minds are still falling. It's still falling. We 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 forget things. And 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 you know, sometimes we 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 forget more things <laughs> as we get older, and that's okay. And, and uh, but God and He He sends His Word to us, and this is why we have preachers and teachers. That's why we have other believers in our lives who, when we feel uh, we, when we are under the weight of our circumstances and we begin to fall down upon our knees. This is where we come in into play. We can remind our brothers and sisters of God's truth. We can encourage them. We can strengthen them. This is why the, this is the importance of the body of Christ. We are not to be individuals. We are not meant to be individuals. Uh, 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 Paul calls God the God of all comfort. And he goes on, he says, that we are to comfort one another with the comfort we ourselves have received. God has put us together and he has did it. He has done it for a purpose so that we can be strengthened. We can come along and point each other to God when we are struggling. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard the Lord? The Lord, look what he goes on. The Lord, this is Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. He, God hasn't abandoned them. The Lord, Yahweh, is the everlasting God. The God who is not subject to change. He, he is not conditioned by time. He is everlasting. And if he is everlasting, his promises are everlasting. His kingdom is everlasting. His dominion is everlasting. Psalm 145 verse 13 says this, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. God is everlasting. And if he has made a promise, that means that his promise can be trusted because God will always be God. <laughs> and notice we said the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. The I like to think about this when you talk about the ends from this end to that end. And so everything that involves our lives is in is on the earth. And, 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 and it is God who created all that is on the earth from this end to that end. And, and, and so if God is the, the creator, he, he's in control of all that takes place on the earth in our lives. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, know that the Lord, he is God. If he, it is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We belong to him. He is 
the creator. He does not, Isaiah goes on, he does not faint or grow weary. The Lord is active. He is always at work. He doesn't get tired. Some of you may be tired right now. That's all right. He doesn't get sleepy. He, 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 there's never a point where God needs his strength restored. He is omnipotent. He is all powerful. He never needs rest. He never slumbers nor sleep. He doesn't grow faint or weary. And when in difficulty, we can begin to think like that. God must be tired. I got so much going on in my life. I know God is tired. No, beloved. He does not grow faint or weary. He's not about to pass out because your problems are so great. He goes on. Isaiah goes on. He said, his understanding is unsearchable. He, God's understanding is, we can't search it out. What God is doing, God is doing. And we know Romans 8, 28, that whatever God is doing, He's working it out for our good and for his glory. But how that is working out for our good, we don't know. You can't, you can't figure, and this is what we like to do. We like, to, we like certainty, right? We want certainty. I want to be certain at what God is doing so I can do what he wants me to do. No. That there may be uh, times where you don't know what God is doing. And you don't understand what God is doing. But trust him. But trust him. Look at verse 29. Because he gives power to the faint. God doesn't faint. He doesn't grow weary, but he gives power to the faint. He, he, he takes pleasure. This is God takes pleasure in helping those who are helping. Those who are downcast, those who are depressed. God takes pleasure in helping those. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. And what is this saying? There are going to be times in your life where you're not going to have strength. You're going to, you're, you're going to be at a point at times in your life where you will feel like you cannot take another step. But God is the everlasting God. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. And this is, this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. This is what he understood. And this is why he will boast in his weakness. Because he says God's strength is shown in our weakness. When we are weak in and of ourselves, when we realize our inability, we see, see clearly God's ability. We, we see his ability clearly, clearly when we are not distracted by ourselves, not distracted by our own strength not distracted by our own ability. 
we're able to to see God and to 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 remember what we have been taught about him in his word. And it is then when we when we are strong, it is we are strong when we are focused upon God as he is. Verse 30, even the youth, even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Young people, even those who are young will get tired eventually. Even the young men who are working, they will eventually be exhausted. You know, we, our strength will, will fail. There'll be times where we we, our, our, we won't have the perseverance strength to endure. And it is foolish of us to think that we don't need God's strength. We need it. And if you think that you don't need God's strength, you're in denial. And beloved, you are depriving yourself of God's resources. We have to be honest. When we face the reality that we are not able, we, we, we must embrace that reality so that God can give us the grace that we need, that Paul said is sufficient. But notice what he says in verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord. The key word here is wait. To wait is a deliberate action. This, this is a deliberate waiting. And notice that he says, but they who wait for the Lord. What are you waiting on? Are you waiting on what God can give you? Are you waiting on him? Notice it is clear what we are to wait. He says for they, he said, but they who wait for the Lord. Waiting for Yahweh, waiting for every for for him alone. Remember what the psalmist said back in Psalm 27. Let me read it for you again. Psalm 27. We see this in the mind of David. Psalm 27, verse 4 says this. Listen, one thing have I asked of, asked of the Lord. That will I seek after. What is that? One, this one thing that I've asked of the Lord. And this is the one thing that I seek. The implication, I continually ask, I continually seek one thing. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For what? For what purpose? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He goes on and says in verse 8, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. He's look, he, he is seeking the Lord. Nothing else, not the benefits, not what he can give, but the Lord himself. He goes on in verse eight, hide not your face from me. 
Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on the level path because of my enemies. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is what it means to wait for him, to know him, to trust him. Trust that he is God. Trust that he is faithful. Trust that he is working all things out for your good. Wait on him. Waiting exposes the idols of our hearts. It exposes what we're really waiting on. What are you really waiting on? Because when we get discouraged, when we begin to complain, when we grumble, our hearts are being exposed that we are not waiting on the Lord. But they who wait for the Lord, he says. And what does it mean to wait? Again, it's not sitting by and being passive and waiting on God to do everything. Uh, the, the, this word in the Old Testament is a, a frequent uh, synonym, uh, synonym of trust. So waiting and trust are really saying the same thing. So waiting is trusting God. It's refusing to, to run ahead of him. Uh, it's refusing to live our lives as though we know our needs and we know how to meet our needs. It, it is to confess that we're ignorant and that we're helpless. This is what waiting, it, it, this is what waiting is all about. It is trusting God, realizing that we are helpless, that we don't know how to figure our way out of our circumstances. We simply are waiting and trusting and relying upon God, trusting in his time, trusting and believing that his way is best for us, believing that he is good. Getting into his word. Waiting involves getting into his word, studying the word, obeying what you know about God. Living in light of it. Trusting his promises. This is what waiting all entails. And when you wait for the Lord, it's the, the, the scripture tells us, it says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. You should renew your strength. Strength in this context comes from knowing Yahweh. As we deepen our understanding of God, as we grow in our understanding of who he is, and sometimes this is what trials is all about. God sends trials and difficulties in our lives so that we can know him better, so that we can be strengthened to continue to persevere in the Christian life so that we can be strengthened, so that we can strengthen other people. They shall renew their strength. Listen to Daniel eleven thirty two. It talks about, it says, they who uh, 
uh, know their God. It says he shall, uh, that there's one who will seduce with flat, seek to seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. They stand firm and take action. They will not give in to seduction. They will not give in to flattery and violate God's covenant. They will stand firm and they will take action. And all we need to remember is Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel stood firm. He did not bow down to the uh, to the command of the of the king, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood firm. They took action. They did not bow down. The people of God, when they know who God is, no matter if they're facing a fiery furnace, they will not violate what God has said in his word. They will obey. They who know God. Oh, they remember when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was put in the fire, they said they were respectful to the king. They, they didn't go and like, uh, you know, now nah, we're going to start a rebellion. Now, they were respectful. Oh, king, they said. And, 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 and they said, we, we're not going to bow down. And they acknowledged that God could deliver them. But they said, even if God does not deliver us, we ain't going to bow down. See, that's what. This is what knowing God is all about when you face difficulty. And this is what we're talking about, strength. We're not talking about something that 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 is that is, you know, God zap us and we just we can run all day. No, there's something about as uh, those who have been born again and, and those who have been regenerated as we we remember the truth about God, that truth, that that truth. It, 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 it does something to our hearts and it and it, it strengthens us to, to to stand firm. This is and nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take what you know about God from you. They can beat you. They can whip you. Remember the Apostle Paul and that list of trials that he gave. And he said, I went through all of this. He was beaten, shipwrecked, all of that. And he was still firm in his faith. This is what this passage is all about. Waiting. Who are you looking to? If you look to him, if you're waiting for him, you will find the strength that he is the everlasting God, that he is the creator God, that he is the one who created this, the, the great universe that we live in. I will not give in to this temptation. I will not bow down to this simple request. Strength comes from knowing who God is. He says, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not faint. Whether you're, you're whether, wherever you are, this, you can live a success. This is an analogy. Of course, we ain't going to be flying. And we baby, right? 
But this is an analogy of, of God's enablement for his people. That no matter what you may face, you will find strength to continue on if you just trust me. Don't trust in nothing else. Don't trust in idols. Don't trust in people. Don't trust in the government. Trust in me. The psalmist said in Psalm 121 verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is where your help is found. It is found in him. In him. It takes us a whole lifetime to learn that. Because our bent is always, and, and God gives us ability. No, don't get me wrong. He's given us ability. He's given us a mind. He's given us strength. He's given us that, and it is a blessing. But those things that are founding us and, 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 and other people in our lives and, and, and other things in our lives, we're not to look to them as the source of our strength. We're to wisely use them, but the strength that we have is God himself. It's, 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 it's him. Not what he gives. Not his blessings. If you got him, those things will come if he chooses. But if you got him in time of lack, you have everything. If you have him in a time of plenty, you have everything. If you have him when you are weak, you have everything. If you have him when you're on your knees, you have everything. You don't need anything else. And this is what he's trying to get across to us. Don't be like the world. Don't seek after things. Don't embrace their philosophy. Don't embrace their ways. Look up the one you have in your life. The one who you call your God is the creator of all that is around you. Don't bow down. Don't give in. Cherish him. And this means that we got we to gotta want him. We got to seek him. We got to be intentional. This is not, this strength that God gives is not going to just come to us. We have to get into his word and study God's word. We have to meditate upon God's word. We have to take what God says about, take passages like this and pray God's character. Pray what you have read about God here in Isaiah 40. And beloved, you will find strength. You will. You, you will find strength because your focus will not be on 
you where no strength is found, it'll be up on him where all that you need is found. Wait on him. This is where he is your rock. He is your strength. He is your stronghold. Wait on him. And if God can, if God names billions of stars and he calls them all by name, beloved, what, what is the little problem in your life? <laughs> what, what is it to him? It, it, it's, it's not beyond history. It's not beyond his greatness. It's not beyond his figuring out. He knows. And, and, and if you want to know God and, and, and who he is, look to Christ. Look to Christ. You, you want to see how uh, strong and mighty your God is? Look to the cross of Jesus Christ. It is there at the cross where God overcame your sin. You could you cannot overcome your own sin. That's how weak we are. We there is nothing. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And God's might was on display when he when when his son was crucified upon the cross. It reveals to us that God is able to do all things. If he can give us his righteousness through Jesus Christ, will he not do everything else in our lives? Look to Christ. Look at his cross. Focus upon Christ. Set your faith upon Christ. Let Christ be your vision and you will find strength. Father, we thank you. And as I said before, these truths are so simple that even a child can understand them. And, and, and again, this is the reality. We are children. We're, we're, we're sheep. We, we, we're tempted to go our own way. And Father, you desire that we know you and that we cling to you and that we obey you and, and, and you give us your word in ways that we can understand, in ways that challenge us to raise our thinking, to raise our thinking and to set our mind upon high and think great thoughts about you. And, and Father, you know how difficult it is for us to do that. As soon as we leave church, the world around us seek to draw our thoughts and our minds down to the things of this earth. But we need you. We need your grace. We, we, we need your enablement to keep our minds set on things above, to, to, to keep our focus to, and so that we may seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand, at your right hand. And, and Father, again, we can only do this if you enable us to do it. And so we look to you and we ask that you would forgive us when we do go astray. 
when we do take our minds off of you. And in those times, send your Holy Spirit to convict us and to bring us back, bring our minds back, bring our thoughts back, bring our hearts back to see you clearly so that we can so that we can live as lights in this world. So that we can clearly put uh, your glory on display in our lives so that others may see. We thank you, Father. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.